with our ability to bring hope and new life to many, many, many people. Amen. I want to just reiterate and say uh, we'll be gathered here Wednesday night for Bible study. Last week we learned how to uh, not be at conflict with God. And therefore we won't have conflict within ourselves. And therefore we won't have conflict with anybody else as we uh, find the root of the problem. And then also I want to mention that today's uh, Financial Peace University lesson would be good for anybody to come, even if you're not a part of the class. I invite you to come today at 530 because this is an excellent lesson. It's called Buyer Beware. Uh, It's about how not to allow marketing to affect you the way that marketers want it to affect you. Because guess what? Marketers want you to be in debt. Amen. But uh, God doesn't want you to be in debt. He said, deliver yourself from from the hand of the fowler. Uh, I want to look in Psalms chapter number 1, and uh, also, if you have your Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 17. Then we're going to look in the book of John and in the book of Romans. Amen. So we've got several little portions of text that I want to read today, and hopefully you Bible scholars can begin to pick up the theme here as we look at these verses of Scripture. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 3, I want you to pay special attention. And he, this man that is blessed, that delights in the law, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Everybody said amen. Amen. This blessed man who delights in the law of the Lord and refuses to walk in the way of the ungodly, standeth in the way of the sinner, shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Look at Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 7. This is another writer. Uh, another writer in the Old Testament that uh, basically repeats the same theme. It says in verse 7, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when he cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Once again, the righteous man or the one that trusts in the Lord is like a tree planted by rivers of water. And when drought comes, when difficult time comes because of the root system, the tree continues to prosper. So John chapter 12, verse 24 in the New Testament. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. If it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And this was Jesus basically predicting his death on the cross. And how that him being laid into the ground, into a tomb, would bring forth great fruit. But also it's an extension to our lives, if we will follow Jesus Christ through His death, burial, and resurrection, 
there is a planting that happens in Jeremiah, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. This is the final reading here, Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Everybody there? It says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted, everybody say planted, planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. God's plan is that we would be trees planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit. But the only way that can happen is for us to be planted in the likeness of his death, in the likeness of his resurrection. When Jesus died on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection gave hope to millions of people in the world that they could find eternal life. The Bible is saying here that if you refuse to fall into the ground and die and be buried with Jesus, then your life can only benefit yourself. But if you will die, the Bible says that if the corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. Everybody say much, much fruit. So the plan of the new birth experience, repenting of your sins, being baptized in water and being filled with the Holy Ghost, it's not about you just getting a ticket to go to heaven, but it is about you being planted with Jesus Christ so that you could bring forth fruit. And the fruit that you bring forth gives other people hope of eternal life. And I want to talk a little bit today, a little bit different for a Sunday, but I want to talk about our purpose. I want to talk about your purpose as a born-again Christian, as a Spirit-filled child of God. Your purpose is to make a difference in your world. You are going to be like a tree. You're going to thrive in good times and bad times. You're going to bring forth fruit in due season, and your fruit shall remain. John 15:16. Jesus said, I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Verse 8, herein my Father's glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So guess what? I want to preach today for a little bit about having a green thumb. Everybody hold up your thumb right now. A green thumb. What is a green thumb? Well, I remember the first time I heard that. It's a euphemism. It's not a literal thing. First time I heard it, I was a little boy. Somebody, I heard my dad say, we, we visited a saint's house in my, my father's church that he pastored. And they were one of those older couples that had a beautiful garden. Their lawn looked very nice. They had plants thriving in the home. And my dad said, boy, brother Yostinich, you sure have a green thumb. And uh, as a little boy, I was like, brother Yostinich got a green thumb? And, how did I miss this? So when I had a moment, I kind of looked over and I noticed that his thumb wasn't green. But I come to realize that calling someone or referring to someone as having a green thumb is a euphemism that determines that they have the skill, the will, and the determination to keep living things growing and thriving. And your faith is living it's vibrant, it's organic, and it has to be maintained and kept alive if it's going to bring forth fruit. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Pray that you'd speak through us today, Lord God. Let your will be accomplished. Let your purpose be done in this house, we pray. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. I shared with you about six years ago, uh, Life Church family, about the concept of the tree of life in Scripture. The tree of life is something that's mentioned in the second chapter of the Bible and in the last chapter of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, it's an overarching theme. If you find a theme in the beginning of Genesis and the end of Revelation, you can pretty much be assured that it is a grand scheme idea. And of course, the tree of life is mentioned in the Garden of Eden, but it's also mentioned in the promised land that we would be able to partake of. So the first and the last chapter and all the... Uh, thousands of chapters in the Bible reference this tree of life. But one thing I want to real quickly capture your attention, imagination about, is that before Adam and Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there was no restriction placed on the tree of life. But once they partook of that, the Bible says that God put them out of the garden, placed a cherubim with a flaming sword to to guard the tree of life so that they would not take of it and live forever. God said, in essence, I don't want you to partake of this tree of eternal life in the Garden of Eden. And have you ever wondered before why? Why God did not want them to partake of this tree of life? Why all of a sudden this became restricted? Did God not want them to live forever? There are different ways and different doctrines and teachings we could go down the pathway. Of course, if they had partaken then, then they would have been eternal in their damnation perhaps. Uh, But but the reality is I think that God didn't want them to partake of the tree of life in the garden because it wasn't God's plan for eternal life to be dispensed in some obscure garden in the Middle East and everybody would have to go on a pilgrimage and take a long journey and end up finding this great tree of life, this fountain of youth that they could partake of the fruit of it and live forever. That wasn't God's plan. Can we all agree on that? So what is God's plan for people experiencing eternal life? You've got to catch this because the tree of life is still important and significant. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30, let's pull that scripture up. Proverbs 11 and 30, what does it say? Proverbs 11 and 30 talks about a tree of life. It says... Let me read it here for you. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Think about this with me right now. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Let me look at the New Living Translation. It says, The godly are like trees that bear life-giving fruit. And those who save lives are wise. So our righteous life lived before the Lord becomes a tree of life. And it's connected with this concept of winning souls and people's lives being saved. So here's the point. God's plan wasn't that there be one tree of life in some garden in the Middle East. But God's plan was that you and I would be trees of lives, trees of life that would be planted all over 
the community and planted in various schools, planted in various workplaces, planted in various families uh, so that people would not have to look all over the place uh, trying to find eternal life, uh, but that the fruit of your relationship and connection and love with God would produce something that would give people hope uh, of eternal life. So it's not about the tree of life in the garden. The concept is I am a tree of life and you are a tree of life. Can I get an amen? Amen. And sometimes we don't realize, as the song said, we're salt and light in the earth. And you may not realize that you are the only hope of eternal life that that coworker has. You are the only hope of eternal life for the students in your school. And uh, you may be the only hope of eternal life for your family members. And God has filled you with the Holy Ghost, not just so you could get to heaven, but when you died with Him and were buried with Him, received His Spirit of resurrection, something came up out of the ground that had the power to give forth fruit that had power for eternal life. That's why my life is not my own anymore. And I can't be selfish and self-centered. It's totally against the grain of what Jesus Christ taught and preached and was. My life has to be given for others. And the only way that can happen is I've got to get this concept uh, that when I was born again, I wasn't born again for goosebumps. Come on, somebody. And when I was born again, I wasn't born again just so I could get my groove on in the house of the Lord. But when I was born again, I was planted so that if I would take care of the plant, it would grow and it would bring forth fruit and souls would be one. Lives would be changed. I want you to say, I am a tree of life. And I remember as a young person, a child, going to uh, public school and recognizing very quickly in the community we lived in in Iowa that there were no other apostolic, Pentecostal, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, holy, roller-born-again, hymn-bound believer, water-baptized in Jesus' name, believers in my school. First or second grade, I remember coming, looking up and down the halls, and it hit, it struck me just as a child. I didn't understand this full concept, but I knew God had placed me there for a reason. I was in Northside Elementary for a purpose. I was a tree of life. And somewhere we've got to get this concept that we don't just go to work to earn a, a paycheck. And uh, we don't just go to the grocery store to buy groceries. And... We don't just drive through the bank to to get money, amen? But God puts us wherever we are so that we could be a tree of life, so that somebody would see the fruit of our life and become thirsty and hungry for something different, something real, something life-changing. And uh, I may have told some this story. Many of you haven't heard, but when I was in high school, uh, I attended a church uh, that my father was pastor in Jackson, Tennessee. It was a good church, but it had one problem. And that problem was there were no teenage girls in the youth group. And that was a big problem for me. Amen. Because from the very beginning of time, as far back as I can remember, I've been intrigued with the fairer sex. I didn't have any sisters. There were no girls in our youth group. I was scared to death of females. Didn't know how to interact around them. They were like a different species to me. And uh, so I remember... My friend Clark Presson and I were best buddies, went to high school together, junior, uh, high school. And uh, I remember saying, Clark, this really stinks for us not to have any girls in our youth group. And it's me, you, and Kenny, and we walk around, it's, we play lots of sports. But man, I believe, do you believe? Let's agree together that God can send us some girls. 
And we did it. Guess what? We did it. We had youth prayer and we said, oh, God, send us souls. But Lord, send us female souls. Well, you had to make them pretty female. Somebody told me you got to pray specifically. You got to pray very exactly. So uh, now my high school, there was plenty of girls. And uh, there, some of the prettiest ones were cheerleaders. And uh, I remember my uh, uh, so, uh, sophomore, junior, senior year of high school, uh, some of the girls that were on the cheer. See, I was an English major. And the good thing about being an English major is that you get in classes that are full of girls and only a few guys. It's true. Very few guys are, most of those guys are over there with the other guys in the math class and stuff. But I was an English major. And uh, there was a, uh, a group of the cheerleaders that I got to become friends with. And I'll show you a little picture here right now. This is uh, some of the cheerleaders from... Careful, careful. Can, can you see that clear enough? Thank you, Sarah. You lightened it up for us. Looks good. Uh, back row, I, I won't name all of them for you, but the, the back row right there standing up is Shelly, Shelly Hayes. And this right here is Nikki Jones. And, uh, you know, just great personalities. Uh, one uh, elected best personality, the other best disposition in the senior class. Attractive, just great girls. And uh, um, so I got to know them and talk to them and so forth. And I remember a couple of incidences. They, they were uh, uh, girls that went to a denominational church. I'm not going to give you the, necessarily the denomination, but they went to a denominational church. And they were, you know, Christian girls per se, you know, the kind of Christians that, aren't afraid to profess Jesus, but, you know, they do a little bit of partying and, uh, you know, but they're, they're Christians, but, you know, then they'll do a little bit of that. that that's the kind of gr- girls that they were. That was kind of the prevailing mindset there. And uh, so I remember talking to them and they would ask me, you know, there's something different about you. And, and my friend Clark that was there, why something different about you guys? One thing we've noticed, you never come to the football games. And I said, well, I didn't want to tell her why, because the reason was we had youth service on the same night that they had football games, and my dad said, nothing competes with church. So if we had church, I was there. So there I was. And uh, But then one, one uh, instance I remember uh, specifically was our youth group had a fast where we all fast pick, picked a particular day and we fasted. And uh, so when, when I went to school, I was there at the table, and uh, I didn't have my lunch with me. I was just sitting there. And, it was blank in front of me, and all of a sudden, Nikki came by and uh, said, hey, she had a real strong southern accent, hey, Rich, why, why don't you have any lunch? And I was like, uh, Nikki, I just didn't feel like eating today. I didn't want to tell her. I didn't think she would understand. Well, we're fasting. And so I said, I didn't feel like eating. And she looked at me real sad. Do you need some money? <laughs> Like, no, I got money, but our youth group's doing a fast, and so we're, we're not eating. And uh, uh, so we're, we're doing away with food for a little bit. And, uh, and then uh, uh, I remember, th- this. Uh, go to the next one. This is uh, Shelly, a picture of Shelly. This is Shelly here on, the, on this side. And uh, as you can tell, I didn't meet, marry either of these girls. I married Tamara. Yeah. But uh, uh, Shelly became a good friend of mine in high school, and we talked a lot about a lot of different things. And uh, I did not know that at the time we were having our conversations, she was thirsty and hungry for God. In fact, she told later, 
that she had been in the denominational church that she attended. Whenever the invitation was given at the end to come give your life to the Lord, she would come up to the front and at the altar just weep time after time. And finally the pastor said to her, Shelly, something's wrong here because you've already been forgiven. You don't have to feel guilty anymore about your sins. And she's like, I don't feel guilty. I just am hungry for God. I feel like there's something else. And I remember when Shelly walked into our church in Jackson, Tennessee and sat on the back. And I'm like, Shelly Hayes is in church today. And I hope they don't get too crazy. But guess what? They got crazy that day. And what I found out is that Shelly said the moment she walked through the back door, she could feel something. And she knew immediately that this is what she had been looking for, what she had been thirsty for, what she had been praying for. And uh, the, the, the same with Nikki, and she testified later. There was always something different about Rich and Clark. They were just different. There was something about their faith that was real. They weren't like everybody else, just professing it. Uh, but they were living it out in their real life, and we could see it. And it made me thirsty for more of God. Amen. So these young ladies got filled with the Holy Ghost. And here's another picture of us hanging out with, click it to the next one. There's Nikki and there's Shelly and there's me with my real cool hair. <laughs> Saved by the bell. <laughs> Amen. There's uh, Nikki and Shelly. But guess what? The cool thing is the fruit remains. Because here's a few years later. This is recently. This is just taken. Go to the next picture. This is uh, Shelly and her husband and her five kids. And those kids go to church every Sunday. And they're being raised in an apostolic Sunday school. They have truth put in their heart. Shelly married my cousin. And you can see their families growing. And you can tell the influence and the impact of her life. And here's Nikki. Here's Nikki and her family. There she is. She's got four young men that she's raising in truth. She and her husband are growing up in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. You need to understand that you are a tree of life and God's put you where you are so that you can make an impact and you can make a difference in people's lives. There are people all around you that are thirsty and hungry for something that is real. They've tried the fake. They've walked the aisle. They've shaken the preacher's hand. They've counted the beads. They've made confession to priests, but they're looking for something that is real. And you got it on the inside. You've been planted in the likeness of his death and planted in the likeness of his resurrection. You are a tree of life come on somebody praise the lord right now put your hands together and praise him hallelujah hallelujah so as trees of life that god has planted us to bear fruit we've got to make sure that we're healthy and we're growing because it's not enough just to receive the baptism of the holy spirit but you were born again so that you could grow and bear fruit. Just a little sapling that comes forth from the ground. It's not done yet. It's just starting. And you've got to have patience. And you've got to be consistent. But it will grow. You could be like my daughter Brooklyn who had her little plant in her kindergarten class. And she was showing me when we went there to open house a few weeks ago. And then I looked over and noticed that she was trying to open it up and kind of help it grow a little bit. And I'm like, no, 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 you'll damage it because you've got to allow it to grow. But God wants you to be a tree of life. And I want to remind you today that this is our model of spiritual growth at Life Church, that we are trees of life. 
And as such, we are to be growing. Everybody hold up three fingers. The reason I had you hold up three fingers is because you need to remember that trees and spiritual planted trees of life grow three directions. Everybody say three directions. directions. Think about it with me right now. Trees. Any tree you see is growing three directions. It's growing down. It's growing up. Good, 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 good. Any more prepositions? And it's growing Trees grow down, they grow up, and they grow out. And when you have been planted in Jesus Christ, you should continuously be growing these three directions. The part that's growing down, what's it called? Can anybody tell me? The root system. The part that's growing up is the trunk. The trunk. And the part that's growing out, the branches, or more specifically, the crown of the They call it the crown. So it's the root, the trunk, and the branches. And they're all growing. A tree's not healthy if just one part of it is growing. But it grows all three directions. And a healthy disciple, follower of Jesus Christ, will be growing three directions. Can I get an amen? So what is spiritual growth? And how do I know if I'm growing spiritually? You are growing spiritually if you're growing three directions. The first way that you grow downward is your root system. And there are two types of roots. I've shared this with you a few years ago. There are tap roots and there are, are feeler roots or feeder roots. The tap roots are the harder kind that go straight down and give stability to the tree and strength. The feeler roots are the roots that go out seeking nutrients and moisture to bring that into the tree. These are the two types of roots that bring, that they, they do two things. They stabilize the tree and they provide nutrients and moisture uh, so that the tree can continue to grow. Well, you grow down by growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Everybody with me? It's the first way you grow. You've got to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And there's two types of ways to do this. There's the taproot, which stabilizes, which is getting rooted in the Word of God. You've got to get rooted in Scripture. In order for that to happen, you've got to read the Bible. You've got to listen to Bible studies. You've got to come to church. Get an appetite for the Word of God. Guess what you're doing? You're digging in and becoming stabilized in the Word of God. But then you have the feeler roots, uh, which are seeking after the presence of the Lord. How do you do this? You do this through worship, uh, and you do this through prayer. Amen? Through worship and prayer. You seek out uh, on a quest for nutrients and strength uh, because you don't want to die, and you don't want to seek thriving. There is this part of you that's always on a quest and reaching for the presence of the Lord. So we are to be growing in our relationship with Jesus, and we do this by growing in our connection understanding with the Word and by growing through prayer and worship in connection with Jesus Christ. Everybody say amen. Amen. So that is the, the root system. So our devotion, our relationship with God has to be deep enough and wide enough to support what happens above the surface. Praise the Lord. Now the second part of growth, you're growing down, but also you're growing up. And the way that you grow up, you have to catch this with me right now, is... A growing relationship with the church or with other believers. Everybody with me now? You've got to be connected to a body. 
You've got to be connected with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Because not only should you be growing in your relationship with Jesus, getting to know Him better, understanding Him by knowing His Word. Because guess what? When you know the Word of God, you know God. The Word was God. So when you read the Bible, you're reading God. You're reading God's thoughts, God's ideas. God. So you're growing in God. So you grow in your relationship with Jesus, but you also have to grow in your relationship with brothers and sisters, like-minded believers, part of the church. You grow up that way. Everybody say amen. So spiritual growth is not just about your private devotion, but it's about your private devotion and your public relationships with the church and the kingdom of God. See, there's three parts of the trunk of a tree that are very important. There's the bark. What does the bark do? Anybody know what the bark does? It doesn't bark. It protects Amen. And when you're a part of the body of Christ, you are under authority and there is an umbrella of protection that you have. And whenever the enemy or some outside source would try to penetrate and destroy and put disease and and whack away at your faith and destroy what God is doing through you, there is that protection by being with the body of Christ. The Bible says if one person falls down, he's in bad luck. But if two fall down, then there's somebody else to help him up. So whenever the enemy tries to destroy... You've got, because you're connected and growing in your relationship with the body and submitted to the authority of the church, you are protected. Amen. The second part of the tree called the heartwood gives the tree stability. So that when the wind blows, it doesn't just break in half or fold over. It's stable. And being a part of the body of Christ is what gives you stability. I watch people. I've seen people before that they've got this great allegedly relationship with God through prayer, but they aren't committed to a church and they bounce about from place to place to place to place. Guess what they lack? They lack stability. And sometimes just by committing to an assembly, and when you commit to an assembly and you commit to brothers and sisters, you're committing to imperfect people. And you're committing to imperfect situations. If you ever find the perfect church, please get out of it because you just ruined it. There's no such thing as a perfect church because it's made up of imperfect people. And that doesn't give their excuse for God's people to abuse one another. There should be godly order. But the reality is recognize that until you commit to a church with its bumps, bruises, warts, and so forth, you're never going to be stable. You're going to be out from under protection. And then there's another part of the trunk. Let me, let me read these words to you because I can't readily remember them. They are... Xylem and phloem. Xylem and phloem. This is basically the conduit system of the tree. Where what is received in the bottom, in the root system, is conduited up to the leaves and the branches so that it can bring forth fruit. And what is received in photosynthesis is brought back through the... It is a conduit and a flow. Now you've got to catch this right now. Everybody listening right now. Your ability to witness comes from your relationship with God, but it flows through your connection with the body of Christ. That's why Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, because of the love that you have for one another. A disconnected saint or a disconnected child of God has no validity to their witness. 
It's like a crown sticking on a root system. It doesn't work. You've got to be connected to a body. And when you're connected to the body of Christ, you be, it becomes a conduit through which your anointing can flow, through which your witness can be extended, amen, can be made visible, amen. The crown can be extended. So I want to tell you right now that a, tr- a, a, a child of God that is not growing in relationship with the body of Christ is not healthy. So you've got to grow in your relationship with God and you have to grow in your relationship with the body of Christ. That's why we have life groups. One of the reasons we have life groups is we want you to get to know one another. Amen? Because you're going to go through some tough times. And you want somebody you can call up. And when you call them, they don't have to say, who is this? I've never even talked to you before. But it's somebody that you have a relationship and a friendship with. Amen? Come on now. Amen. Sometimes everybody wants to call the pastor, but the reality is the pastor's there, but there are brothers and sisters that are there can encourage you and uplift you. Amen. It's the body of Christ. So a healthy Christian is growing down in their relationship with God. They're growing up in their relationship with other believers. And it is scriptural because a child of God without a church family is an orphan and it's not healthy. So the third way that a tree of life is growing, is a tree of life is growing out. And that is growing in influence with a lost, hungry, and thirsty world. There's all this work going on. The root system, you don't even see it. It's below the ground. The trunk is not that attractive. But all of these things are working to create this crown of the tree from which all the blessings of the tree flow. It's from the crown that we get shade. It's from the crown that the beautiful, luscious, tasty fruit is produced. It is where the tree's contributions become visible and obvious. And as a Christian, it's not enough, my brothers and sisters, to be connected to God and connected to the body, but not benefiting anybody outside the body. God's plan is for us to extend. God's plan is for us to bear fruit. God's plan is that our lives would make a difference and we could be salt and light in the world. A tree without a crown is like a light under a bushel. A tree without a crown is like salt in the shaker. But once you begin to shake, it makes a difference. When you bring the light out from under a bushel, it begins to shine. And when you begin to spread and bear fruit, then lives can be impacted wherever you are, in your family, in your workplace. God wants you to be a tree of life. Bearing fruit is reproduction. Did you know that the ability to reproduce is housed within the fruit? So from one seed comes an apple tree. But from one harvest of apples from a single tree is enough seeds to produce hundreds of apple trees. Amen. This is the miracle of multiplication. The miracle of the harvest. Then you take the harvest of those and you have multiplied thousands of trees. The harvest of which is able to multiply literally millions of trees. Why? Because the tree is bearing fruit. Amen. You know, I learned this. This is pretty cool. I always wondered, what is the biological purpose of fruit being tasty? Why is fruit tasty? Well, just God made it that way. Well, yeah. But there is a biological purpose to it. Because fruit is tasty, the flesh of it will be appealing to animals. The animals then will eat the fruit, complete with the seed, and take a trip somewhere and deposit that seed together with 
some fertilizer. And it's taken somewhere else where it wouldn't have gotten just if it had fallen off the tree. There's something about the fruit. See, when fruit is produced in our life, you know, you have the fruit of the Spirit. When we're connected to the Lord, the Bible says if you abide in Christ... You'll bear fruit. When you're connected to the Lord Jesus, good fruit begins to be produced in your life. And and something changes about you. And the way you used to be, you're not that way anymore. And people can recognize. What is it about you that has changed? Your priorities are all different. You're obsessed with different things. You love like you never loved before. And you're patient like you weren't patient before. What is it that's different about you? It's delicious. It's appealing. It makes them thirsty. When you bear fruit, there can be a harvest in a family all the way over there. Because there was something about your fruit that was appealing. And they took a hold of it. And they took it. And they deposited it in their family. And it began to grow in their family. I want to tell you, revival was meant to be organic. But it only happens when God's people are living, thriving, growing trees of life. Clap your hands and praise the Lord right now. Jesus said, every branch in me that beareth fruit, he'll keep it. But if it bears not fruit, he'll take it away. And if it's bearing fruit, he'll purge it so that it can bear more fruit. Sometimes you go through difficulties. And you're like, why do they have to go through this? So you can bear more fruit. You know what I've learned in my life? Sometimes, unfortunately, I wish I could learn how to change this about myself. But I usually only grow through pain. I wish I could just sit here and really just progress and grow while things are comfortable. But I found out that I'm kind of stubborn. And so God has to chasten me sometimes, purge me sometimes, in order that I can bear more fruit. And my statement is, my point is, whatever it takes, I've got to grow and become and reach and impact and make a difference in my world and be salt and light in the world. So in reference to the green thumb, let's talk here. How do we bear fruit? You don't force it to happen. And, and there's some people that like try to force things to change in them through the power of their will, through their efforts. But fruit happens naturally when you remove the barriers to fruit. Here are some barriers that can keep you from growing and thriving as a Christian. The first one is sin in your life. If you have been planted in Christ Jesus and you allow sin to continue, it becomes a disease that destroys your ability to bear fruit. Amen? And whenever Israel refused to obey and refused to repent, they were cursed. Just like the fig tree was cursed and it brought forth no more fruit and it withered. Hidden sin will keep you from bearing fruit. Can I get an amen? Amen. Sin or disobedience renders all other efforts useless. So the first thing you have to do, the only possible response, is to repent. Ask God to forgive you. Amen. And ask God to give you strength to live each day and walk in victory. You can't bear fruit with sin in your life. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. Another barrier is insufficient nourishment. A tree has to have light, water, fertilizer, all these things in order to thrive. And the problem is in our lives, we get too busy. We get too busy with life. And just like the seed that was planted in the thorny ground, the cares of life choke out what God's trying to do in us. We don't have time for worship. 
We don't have time to expose ourselves to the preaching of the Word of God. We don't have time and passion for the move of God. We don't have a prayer life. We don't have a relationship with God. You can't grow on the wayside. And you can't grow in the thorny ground. You can't let things compete with your passion for the kingdom of God. That's why I love at Life Church there is so much passion in our worship. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Say, can I not cheer for the Lakers? Yeah, cheer for the Lakers. As long as your cheer is like this for the Lakers and like this for Jesus. It's got to be top of the stack. Number one, passion. Insufficient nourishment. Number three is a lack of depth. Somebody, some people are not growing because they love the excitement of the worship service, but they haven't developed an appetite for the Word of God. And as a result, they don't read the Bible and they have no interest in Bible study unless it's going to be a good time for them to sleep for a little while. But they don't have an appetite for the Word of God. And this lack of depth, this lack of doctrinal depth can become a barrier to God's purpose being done. The, the, the final barrier to, uh, to spiritual growth is attitude. Attitude. If you have the wrong attitude, it can affect your spiritual growth. And how does attitude relate to a plant or a tree? Well, you know what? Have you ever noticed that the plants lean toward the light? You ever notice that? Why? Because they want to get all that they can out of it. That angle could be likened to your attitude. If you're tweaked the wrong direction, then you're not going to get the best benefit from all the things that God has for you. Can I get an amen? And uh, spiritual growth, joy, and peace is all affected by your attitude. Your attitude, can you, can you hear me right now, determines the quality of your marriage. Your attitude determines your professional success. Your attitude determines your happiness and well, the well-being of your children and the destiny of your soul. All of these things are part of your attitude that can affect you. Amen? If you've got a bad spirit, if you're bitter, if you're prideful, all of these things can heap, keep you from growing spiritually. So you've got to get the right attitude if you want to move forward and if you want to go up. Can I get an amen in the house today? Hallelujah. So, you've got to have a green thumb. You've got to say, my faith is important and I want to keep growing because I've got to bear fruit. And if I'm not reaching people and if I'm not sharing my faith and I'm not be, being given opportunities to talk about the Lord and I don't even think about it during the day. Something's wrong, and I need to pay attention to this thing called my faith, to this tree of life, so that I can make a difference in the world. Amen. I've got to get a green thumb. Now, I've learned when it comes to real plants, I don't have a green thumb. If you need some proof of that, Sister Brown doesn't have a green thumb either. She's leaving me hanging. If you need proof of that, where can they go look? <laughs> go look at our front porch in the house. We bought some nice flowers. Hey, you know, and so, but I like the way plants look when they're planted. I like it. But I don't have a green thumb, which means I don't have the determination, the focus, and the will to keep it alive and looking good long term. I like it looking good when I want it to look good. So guess who I keep busy? Home Depot, Lawn and Garden Department. Because they have plants that are already beautiful that you can go plant them whenever you have company coming. 
Uh, guilty, huh? Anybody else laughing with me? Hope you've never heard this before, but maybe you've heard when you're in there cleaning the floor, mopping the floor, and your kids come by and say, Mom, who's coming over? What do you mean, who's coming over? I'm cleaning the house. Grandma and Grandpa are coming tomorrow. Shh. And so what happens is I plant it. It looks great, and I'm excited about it. The plants look good. I've got some new uh, flowers along the side of the driveway and um, maybe uh, some plantings along in that, that little planter along the front. It looks just really nice. And uh, uh, we have our, our company, and we're very presentable. And then I get busy with the cares of life and other things, other priorities are more important. than I walk by them day after day and then all of a sudden I look over and notice that they shriveled up and they've died and they don't look very pretty anymore. And, and maybe I'll go dump just like a gallon of water, just binge on them. And maybe they'll try to start thriving a little bit. And uh, then I'll forget about them for another week. And then I go back out and it's like, oh man, those plants are dying again. And so, Brother Donnie, the church looks like a park, but my house, not so much. Uh, uh, and uh, so, and and so then we have somebody else coming, and we go back to Home Depot, and the workers are like, they must have company again. Look, come on in, we'll take your money. But having a green thumb is not about just how it looks when it's planted, and having a green thumb is not about just taking care of it once and then ignoring it for a week or two. But having a green thumb in terms of your spirituality and your spiritual growth and your relationship with God is about being consistent and understanding this is the priority in my life. I can't let this thing die. I can't let it be undernourished. I can't let it shrivel up. Come on. Can I talk to you right now? I can't hire a gardener. I can't expect somebody else to take care of it for me. It's got to become my priority. If I want to bear fruit, ah, if I want my life to make a difference, I've got to get the priority and the focus to say I've got to keep it alive. I've got to keep it thriving. And I talked about it Wednesday night, but I feel like God wants me to bear down on this because this is... What I've been feeling in my spirit this week. How does your garden grow? That's what's been going through my head. How does your garden grow? How does your garden grow? How do you grow spiritually? How do you thrive? It's not about dumping 30 gallons of water on something once a month. Uh -uh. It's not even about paying attention to something once a week. But it's about consistency. I've done it before. I've made the mistake and turned on the water and watered the lawn all night long, ten straight hours. And wake up, oh my Lord, I hate to see the water bill. Forgot to turn it off. But guess what? You can't do that and then ignore it for a month. It's better to do a measure consistently every day in a consistent fashion. And then you're going to keep it alive. You're going to keep it thriving. You're going to keep it growing. And I want to, I want to challenge you people of God. Because the enemy has used this as a wedge to keep us less effective than we could be as a church. Starting from the top on down, from the leadership to the kids. And that is, we've got to learn that the only way you can thrive is to have consistency in your relationship with God. Consistency in your walk with God. I thank God for powerful services. 
I thank God for moves of God where I, in my faith, take quantum leaps. But I've got to understand, I can't survive, thrive, or bear fruit just anticipating those periodic events. Look at me right now. I'm telling you, it'll die. If you're dependent on your parents, it's going to die. Yeah, if you're depending on somebody else, it's going to die. If you're depending on the preacher to get you worked up once a week, it's going to die. You've got to take responsibility for this thing. It's your faith. Not my faith, it's yours. People with the green thumb are obsessed. They refuse to let it die. Yeah. Disease can hit that plant. Most people would whack it off and just send it away. But the person with the green thumb says, I'm going to work with it. No matter what attacks it, no matter what comes against it, I'm going to keep this thing alive. Somebody can say something negative to me. Somebody can hurt my feelings, but I'm going to keep it alive. The enemy may come in, trials and difficulties may come, but I'm keeping this thing alive. It's the most important. It is the priority. When you got real faith, living faith, it's subject to disease. It's subject to the, the canker worm and the weevils. Things are going to come in. You're going to be offended. Your feelings are going to be hurt. Things are going to happen. You're going to wonder why God didn't answer that prayer the way you wanted Him to. You're going to wonder, why did this happen? And it's going to attack your faith. You've got to say, I'm going to keep on putting water on it. I'm going to keep on getting up, even when I don't feel... Come on, somebody. Somebody only pray when you feel like it. I'm going to keep this thing alive. This is life, church. Not fake, church. Life. It's not God's will. It's not God's will that we have pews full of imitation plants that look like real plants and have the look, but they're not connected to the vine. Fakes are easy. Fakes look good, but they don't bear any fruit. I'm going to tell you, if you want to be real, you've got to be connected. You've got to be praying. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, somebody praise Him right now. Why don't you stand to your feet and lift up your hands and praise Him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on, that's it. Pray right now. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost because this has got to be more than just a concept. This has got to be more than just a thought or an idea. But God, get this in our spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Lord, in the name of Jesus. 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 Praise God. Somewhere in your relationship with God, some people are getting it. Some people are getting it. 
And the Bible says, early will I seek you. The Bible says God will hear you when you cry unto Him in the morning. I think maybe it's God trying to speak to Life Church and say, because you haven't been praying, you need to discipline yourself to make sure it's the first thing you do in the day before you do anything else. If you have the discipline to do it at a different time, that's fine. But if you're like me and you end up going through your day and you haven't done any praying and then two days are gone, then you need to make it a priority and say, I'm going to do this first. Don't wait till you feel like it. Can I? You can't wait till you feel like watering your plants to water them. You've got to make, a, make up your mind and put a discipline in your life. I'm going to keep those things watered. If you only brushed your teeth when you felt like it, none of us would have any teeth here today. But many of us have mouths full of teeth because it became a discipline and we took care of it every single day. And God wants to do that for you in your spiritual life. I'm trying to speak what God's put in my spirit. How does your garden grow? It grows through consistency. It grows by making spiritual things a priority. It grows when you learn to read your Bible every day. And if you miss a day, that's fine. Just pick it up the next day. If you miss two days, that's fine. You just pick it up the next day. You don't let the devil, you don't let the devil use your tendency toward inconsistency to defeat you from even trying. But you keep it up. The Bible says in the last days, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That means the only plants that are going to survive are those that are manned by people with green thumbs who are planted by the rivers of water. And when the famine comes, the fruit on the tree becomes ever more precious and the seed becomes ever more precious. And I want to share with you today in this last days, God is looking for a group of people that are plugged in and anointed. Hallelujah. And God made a promise to me some time ago in the midst of my frailty and weakness. I've always struggled in my life, in my consistency, in my relationship with God. It was a weakness to me. And it was something the devil beat me up over. And it was something that kept me from being as effective as I wanted to be. Being able to preach with authority and confidence in God because I'd done my part in staying connected to Jesus. God promised this to me, and I'm going to see it come to pass, that from my weakness is going to come strength. In fact, God communicate, God put this in my heart, that through the very thing that I struggled with growing up, which is depending on my talent, my ability, my personality, my connections, my willpower, all these things to stay connected to God, even flowing in ministry, God said he's going to turn it around and make the devil feel bad by using my very weakness to help me become one of the greatest possible communicators of prayer and get more people on their knees and more people consistent in their relationship with God. And God's put it in my spirit that it's happening now because finally I've come to understand that it's not by might nor by power, by my skill, by my uh, ability. But it's through connection to Jesus Christ. Fruit. Boom. Opportunities. Boom. Answered prayer. Boom. Anointing. Boom. Miracles. Boom. Healing. Boom. It's time right now. It's time. Why don't we gather up around the front just for a moment? I know it's very hot. We're not going to take long. But I want us to respond to the word of the Lord here before we leave. 
God has spoken to us. We want to see God's will done. Is there anybody in this place who says, no matter what happens, no matter what anybody else does, I've got to keep this thing alive. I've married myself to the Word of God. I've developed a passionate appetite for His presence. Nothing can replace that. Nothing can take its place. I want a relationship with Jesus. Come on, if that's you, if you want a relationship with the Lord like that, like I'm talking about, I want you to come up and gather with us around the front right now just for a few moments. Give me one glorious ambition for my 
Give me one magnificent obsession. Give me one magnificent obsession. spirits right now in this church. Give me one magnificent obsession. Ooh, hallelujah. Oh, give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow hard after you. To know your hands all across this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm hungry for more of you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm not hungry for more money. God, I'm not hungry, Lord Jesus, for more than this world has to offer. I'm not hungry, Lord God, for the things of the flesh. But in my spirit right now, I want more of you. I've had a lot of things and they didn't satisfy. I'm empty, Lord God. I'm crying out, I want more of you, Jesus. Increase my capacity. Increase my passion. Increase my love for you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to lift up your hands. We're going to sing this one more time. And I'm going to ask the Holy Ghost to just flow into this place. It's a spiritual appetizer for the week. It's getting you geared up. The saliva is rolling. You want God's presence. Hallelujah. I want you, Jesus. 
not just on Sunday, but I want to walk with you, Jesus, through the week, Lord God. Give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow after you. I want to be your disciple. To grow is your disciples in your truth. This world is empty, pale, and poor compared to knowing you, my Lord. So lead me on, and I will run after you. Lead me on, and I will. Hallelujah. Brother Eric, come up here. I want you to pray a prayer of dismissal. And we're going to invite those that have children to go down and get your children. I want you to fellowship with one another, love one another. But I want us to pray right now for God's word to be implanted deep in our spirit. Lord Jesus, we ask God that we would not be fake plastic trees. That we would be true, rooted and grounded in love, knowing what is the height and the depth of the riches of the knowledge of Jesus and the inheritance of the saints and what we have in you, Jesus. We ask that we would go out of this place, but we would not leave your presence, that we would be dwellers in the kingdom of God, bearing fruit in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Take us to deep waters, Lord. We want to go to the next level. In Jesus' name. Go with us, God. Come home with us, God. Dwell in our houses, in our dreams, in our waking, on our jobs, in every part of our lives. In Jesus' name. We love you, God. Be there with us. Be there with us. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. You're dismissed in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Hallelujah. Remember, the church will be open from 6 to 8, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. for prayer. There will be people of God here to meet with you and pray with you. God bless. Praise the Lord. While you greet one another, just say you're a tree of life. Just tell them that. Tell them that. You're a tree of life. You're a tree of life.